0: You're listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast. Each week, we talk to people from all over the world who share stories of God's faithfulness. Today, we sit down with City Council Member Lynn Beard to discuss faith and politics. As children of God, we've been given authority to influence our culture in the realm of government, as well as art, entertainment, business, education, family, and the media, all for the sake of the kingdom. But what about separation of church and state? Should faith influence politics? How do we love and honor those we disagree with morally, refrain from casting judgment, and still stand for truth passionately? Moreover, how do we as believers navigate disagreement with other fellow believers on those controversial issues? With elections right around the corner, this conversation feels so very timely, so let's get to it. Well, today on the podcast, I am so excited because I have my husband co-hosting with me today, Jeffrey Turner. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited that you're back and helping out with the and podcast you today. I in a
1: while. I don't know what I did. So.
0: Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I also have with me today, I'm so honored to have Lynn Beard with us today. Welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm so
0: excited for you.
2: Thank you for the invite. And
0: you just told us something really cool about yourself, of something that you used to do. Can you tell the audience the listeners what you used to do back oh. in the day? Cuz you <laughs> have the coolest voice ever.
2: Uh, in another life I was a actually a DJ on the radio. Wow. And like uh, or mid-90s, probably. It's been and how long do you have
0: did a you...
1: location or radio station? Like, I wouldn't hate finding some of that uh, <laughs> None of them exist of anymore. <laughs> Maybe oh. that's
2: the reason. I don't know. You know?
0: <laughs> how long did you do that?
1: Just for a few years.
0: Was yeah. it really fun?
1: It was. I'm a music lover, so... You know, it was. You do was have good. a good. I've never thought about it. But you he do have a, a good radio voice. Really good. Well, my voice is a little yeah. bit annoying. In I have a, my headphones right now, but yours. Is- What's the saying? I have a great face for radio. That's right, great yeah. face for radio.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited for you to join us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and maybe things you enjoy doing? Just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh, so I'm married to my wife Melinda. We've been married about 13 and a half uh, years. Uh, blended family. All of our kids are in their mid to late 20s. Uh, they are all married and live, uh, we have one in Norfolk, Virginia, one in uh, Argyle, Fort Worth area, and then one in Seattle, Washington. So wow, all spread out. We're bi-coastal in the middle yeah. of the country. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, no grandkids yet. Uh, thankfully, they're, hopefully they'll be closer when that happens. Uh, yeah, that'll The east travel and west fun. coast, yeah. Um, and so, I, uh, uh, for a job, I'm the general manager at Abilene Arrow, uh, which is the fixed-based operator at Abilene Regional Airport. Been there about four years, retired from the police department in 2018, October of 2018. Was there 20 years. Um, and uh, as far as hobbies goes, things I like to do, uh, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a music lover. I've got a great collection of vinyl at home. Oh, nice. And I've got four or five guitars that I enjoy playing. Uh, just for my 50th birthday, my wife let me finally go get a, uh, she didn't let me, but we agreed to go to Dallas and I got a really nice scratch 5622. so I'm pretty i didn't pretty happy
1: about That's cool. that. Yeah, you uh, also take tremendous airplane photos, which is a really random is, thing yeah. to me. But it's yeah. there if you ever just want to look at some beautiful photos. Uh, yeah, I, got some cool. When
2: one. I was in my 20s, I, I really enjoyed photography, and I just kind of got away from it. Uh, and then when I retired from the police department in 2018, I'd, been, I'd wanted a really good camera for a long time, and so uh, we got me a Nikon Z7, the mirrorless, you know, the flagship mirrorless from Nikon, and. Um, so, I really enjoy, especially long exposure storm photography. That's
1: kind of my thing lightning. Wow. Uh, and then aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, there's some tre- tremendous photos, so they're cool. I, think-
0: I have to go check that out. That sounds amazing. You we'll also,
1: go- like, you've served here. You serve at mm-hmm. Beltway in multiple ways. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I joined Beltway in, uh,
2: oh, actually don't know the exact date, but I think it was 07. Uh, got involved in the men's ministry uh, in about 11, 2010, 2011 timeframe. Uh, Went to a couple of boot camps, uh, became a fire team leader, and then uh, was on the men's leadership team uh, here for uh, seven or eight years, something like that. Uh, And then in uh, 2019,
1: uh, became an elder. In about way, so you chose a great time to to become an elder right before, right before we COVID. dealt with yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no controversial decisions to be made. <laughs> Everything was normal yeah. and yeah. <laughs> easy. Budgeting yeah. was easy. Big right. plans, yeah. all that was just super easy. Yeah.
2: And then last year, uh, in twenty one, I ran and uh, got elected to city council here in Abilene, so I so sit on city council as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, that is the reason why you're on the podcast today. <laughs> great, <laughs> so that we can talk yeah. about and just glean from you what it looks like. Uh, to have both faith and politics. Mm-hmm. And those things can hold hands. Like, they're not completely separate.
2: Should hold hands, in They my opinion, should. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'd love for you to share with us, like, maybe when did you sense that this was a, an interest of yours or a desire of yours to be involved in politics or in government?
2: Um, well, there's kind of two parts to that story. Um, I've always been... I don't know if a fan of politics is the right characterization, but I, I was the guy that watched C-Span when I was in high school, and uh, I hate to admit that publicly, but it's the truth. <laughs> um, I watched C-Span. Do you? Yeah be. That, that's that's nice. there's two of us.
0: That's why you were yeah. both in the room at the same time because <laughs> I did not <laughs> Yeah.
2: Um, and so I was in in uh, involved in government from a law enforcement perspective, you know for 20 years. Uh, And then as I went through the ranks there, I retired as lieutenant, so uh, that brought me in a lot closer contact to uh, a lot of city officials and uh, budgets and all those kind of things. I enjoy doing that kind of work. Uh, And after I retired, uh, I retired and was out a couple of years, and I found that I just really missed it. Uh, I missed being involved in uh, how the city runs and the things that have to be done. Um, And so I made the decision to run. I was fortunate enough to get elected, uh, like I said, May of last year. Um, but the you know the the second part of that i is I was, I was actually thinking about this answer on the way over here about kind of where a service mentality was instilled in me and uh there's a story from when I was a kid I grew up I was born in Oklahoma moved here when I was twelve uh, my- uh, father was a farmer and rancher, and my mother was a nurse and and so uh there was a there was a I was about six probably. Uh, and I was outside in our backyard. We had a trampoline uh, with no safety net. It was a metal frame. There's nothing dangerous about it at all. <laughs> um, and, and I noticed a fire down the road from our house. And it was about three or four uh, blocks down. And it was just a grass fire. Um, and so I went into the house and, and told my dad. And uh, we knew those people that lived in that home. And so we went out into the garage and grabbed a bunch of my father's brand new saddle blankets that we had for our, our, some of our ranch horses and went down there and essentially smothered the fire and ruined all these brand new saddle blankets doing it. And as a six-year-old, you know, you're wondering, well, why did you ruin all this nice, yeah. all this nice stuff, you know? And I still remember the conversation coming back, you know, about how easily we can replace these saddle blankets and the, the danger that to our neighbors and uh, that I can point to that moment um, as kind of a time when I knew uh, that the, kind of the legacy of our family was going to be a service-oriented legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather, my dad's dad, my paternal grandfather was a Tulsa County commissioner um, and then uh, was uh, president of the Board of Trustees for the Tulsa United Methodist Church, and then my grandmother became the first female Board of Trustees for the United wow. Methodist Church in Tulsa, which was a big deal in the 70s.
1: yeah.
2: Um, and then my father was chairman of the board of trustees for the Stillwater United Methodist Church. And so I'm, I'm a third generation church leader now. Um, wow. So that was a really sweet moment when the, the day uh, I got ordained. Uh, it was, you know, things kind of come full circle, you know, mm-hmm. for me. It was sweet. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. Well, you know, in the modern church, you know, we're called to to build influence in areas. Um, that spread across what they call the seven areas of influence or the seven mm-hmm. mountains, and those being areas in arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and then, of course, religion. And in order for us to impart the kingdom and kingdom culture in those areas, we have to have people in those areas. Mm-hmm. And it is so essential for um, us as children of God to, I mean, those jobs are all very vital. They are important not only to our culture, but also for what the Lord is wanting to do as He is building His kingdom here on earth, because it's not all fully here yet. It's it's here right. in part, but not in full, and when Jesus does come back, He's going to usher it all in, and we get to be co-creators. We're, we're co-creators right now, but continue to be right. creators with Him um, and the new kingdom. And so... I can imagine cuz we all watch the news <laughs> that the realm of government and politics it's dicey. It's there's it a lot of conflict, there's a lot of tension.
1: So tell us your it's most hard. controversial city council, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but even this last season like in our city, right? Thinking about some of the stuff that's been thrown at right. school boards and city council, I mean, just it feels like I navigating don't know, that's tough. Yeah, everything feels yeah. real volatile. Right. And so I think what we've seen a lot from the church has been either be a part of the volatility right and maybe sometimes be be the ones lighting it on fire or yep. that there's that extreme and then the other extreme is people running completely away from the whole political sector and removing ourselves from what I would consider as a blessing we right. ro- live in a democratic republic like that's a right. huge blessing and and it's just so fascinating to me to see how the church and I, I think it's happened for a while, but it feels like this post-2020 world we live in, this post-COVID world that we live in, it feels like the church in politics feels like such a dicey game right, right. now. Yeah, the um
2: that's a longer than a thirty minute answer. Yeah, it you is. know. <laughs> so I don't know if we can do four segments of this, but um so there's conflict inherent in our system of government. Sure. There just is. Um, you know, the I'm a little over a year. I was a year. I'm a year on council in May. Um, and so, you know, you know cl- closing in on a year and a half, essentially. Uh, and there, the nature of our system where citizens can and should have the right to address elected officials Brings, you know, nobody. Rarely does someone show up at a council meeting because they're happy about something. Yeah, right. right? They don't show up to, you know, talk about how great this is or sure. that is. It's usually something that they either is a perceived wrong or a, a real one. Um, and so navigating that climate uh, is pretty challenging at times. But I think as believers, um, and you, we talk about how these these two worlds should hold hands is the modeling of behavior right and you know abilene i think we're very fortunate for in our city that you know a lot of the you know and i was i was in law enforcement you know back at the beginning of a lot of the race discussions and and you know ferguson missouri and the aftermath of that and and all those things and we were fairly insulated from that
1: yeah um
2: but the conflict that I think, you know, predates even, even you know, the, the two recent controversial things on council were the Sanctuary City Ordinance and the library book stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you back up prior to that, where I think a lot of the polarization that began uh, started about the time of the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, some will link it to the presidential election of 2020 and the Trump-Biden uh, thing. Uh, others link it to COVID. You know, I think they're, they're the truth somewhere really in the middle. But But... Sure. Um, the at least from my own experience as you know a church leader and an elected official and a uh, you know as a leader in the business that I'm in, uh, all of us had to navigate really difficult decisions with limited information. Mm. Right at the early stages of the pandemic, we didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, and so a lot of us that you know the people that I am around and, and that I'm a part of making decisions with, uh, we did everything we knew to do to, to listen for the voice of the Lord and do what he wanted us to do. And, um, you know, especially as time went by, and I think any good leader has to have the courage to look back on the decisions that were made and analyze where, was that the right decision based on what I know now, it may have been the right decision based on what you knew at the time, uh, and have the courage to change course. And I know we did that here at Beltway, uh, you know, with some of the COVID restrictions, but that was a season where no matter what we did, Somebody was upset. Yeah, you know, right. You know, and and so getting back to the point of modeling behavior um, and we – in the controversy with regards to the Sanctuary City Ordinance and the library book issues, uh, you know, just take the library book issue for an example. <clears throat> there were legitimate issues. Mm-hmm. There really were, you know. And – but but I think – you know, and I said this in the last meeting when we kind of landed the plane on what we were going to do about that situation. You know, I told some of the folks that were involved in, in all the protesting about that was, you know, we could have arrived at this place that we're at today without all the division and mm-hmm. anger mm-hmm. had the leadership of the city been provided an opportunity to address the issue. And that's kind of where we've gotten to in, in politics is this ambush style, you know, yeah. and we do it to each other you know yeah. um, and it, it never produces any it, you know you may get to the right destination but there's a cost that doesn't have to be paid along the way yeah. based on how we treat each other mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. you know in modern society i kind of view it as with the with the speed of information and the speed at which it travels people may you know pastor david talks a lot about has talked about this that you know knowing about something and doing something about it are not the same thing and we have access to so much information. I think it has made us, kind of as a society, we're about a mile wide and we're about a foot deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we don't, as we become more and more emotionally driven, it it, it is a much more deliberate effort to really stop and kind of. Step back from the emotion of the moment and really think about what is the issue here and how are we going to solve the problem. Right in the midst of kind of you being screamed at all the time, and so mm-hmm. you, you know you ask me what the Lord's doing in my life, and that's that's it. That's the season I think He has me in is learning how to operate with an increased measure of grace while still standing on what I believe to that's be good. true. Mm-hmm. You know. And that comes down to how am I treating this, not only outwardly treating these people, but in, in my heart in and in heart. my mind, mm-hmm. what am I thinking about them?
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, uh, Because we know what flows from the heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so that's, for me, that's what's going on right now.
0: Well, I think in leadership, it's so important to um, to model a culture of honor. Yes. And to do so regardless of you know, what issue it might be. It might be, or if there's a d- disagreement or not, or if you're, I mean, I was going to ask you about um, if, you, if there was something that came to mind as, as in, in situations that you've been in before where you have stood toe to toe with somebody, even mm-hmm. on um, an issue, a sing, a singular issue. We're not going to go into the issue, but like, what do you do in those moments when it is heated and it could go one of two ways, you know, but you are a representative of the people yes. and you're doing your best to represent the people, yes. but you also, like you said earlier, want to stand on truth. Right. And so I'm curious in those, first of all, I'm sure they've happened, but maybe you can can go into that just a little bit and answer the question of like, what do you do in that situation? What have you done in those kinds of situations before?
2: So that kind of ties into what I was talking about, about the this season that the Lord's mm-hmm. got me in. Um, you know, one of the things I tell uh, you know, we're in my professional life. You know, we're in the customer service business. Anybody mm-hmm. that's in the customer service business knows you're going to encounter difficult customers mm-hmm. at some point, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of things. And one of the things I tell uh, our employees is, you know, when they when they're upset, they've had an interaction with a customer, and that customer was rude or hateful or whatever. And the temptation in the flesh is to retaliate in kind back to that person. And I what we and what I tell our folks, and, and, and again, this is a, a process for me too, is the moment I do that and the moment I sort of hit the ball back over the net and, and retaliate with unkind words or harshness or whatever, all I've done is cede control of my own thoughts and speech to that person. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and Scripture tells us that we have the mind of Christ. We have the capability to take our thoughts captive. It's a deliberate effort at times, especially in those times where it's controversial and emotions are high. Um, you know, and, and if you know, if you're if you're one of those people that's anything like me where your mouth tends to overload your brain uh, at times. I may know somebody. You know, like can't relate at all. <laughs> I may <laughs> um, and, and so you know, going back to what I was saying about modeling behavior, you know, Jesus did not react to people that's right that way. Mm-hmm. Right, Mm -hmm. he stood on truth. He didn't. He didn't compromise his values. He didn't lower his standards. He didn't do any of those things. But he interacted with those people from a place of not just love, but from a place of being secure in who he was and whose he was. That's right. And I think you know, for me, navigating those situations is. I'm a very open believer. I've you know, people know I'm an elder at this church, and people know I'm affiliated with Beltway, and then I'm a believer, and all those things. And so you know I'm not just representing Lynn you know sure. when I'm in those scenarios and not just because I'm a leader we as the body are representing the body we are That's ambassadors right. for Christ right and if they see me interact you know in a harsh way how is that drawing anyone mm-hmm. to Jesus mm-hmm. you know recently the you know the, the pride parade was downtown
1: mm-hmm. right
2: and there were believers, and I'm not saying they were or weren't, but I know what I saw, uh, you know, in some of the articles and the pictures that I saw were hateful signs and hateful speech directed at, at people that were marching. They accomplished nothing. Mm. Nothing. You know, they can. you can try to stand on truth and stand on righteousness and do it in the wrong way and do just as much damage.
1: Yeah, I... Uh, y'all are talking about... You talked about kind of culture of honor and you're talking about behavior stuff and I've always... I love politics. Like fully, Lynn and I have talked a lot about it a lot. Um, I love love politics, and I think the most interesting thing to me over this last season has been like the very thought process of believers in the political realm. So I've voted in every election since I turned eighteen. City yeah. elections, national elections. I, I love voting on my wallet. I always have the "I voted" sticker from the previous election. So I've always loved politics. But it's been so fascinating to me how believers, some some subset of believers have navigated, like you're talking about the pride parade, or things that people disagree with them. And mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of going, well, even if you think that that person is lost as lost can be, you want that person to know Jesus. And so even in the midst of disagreeing with them, which disagreements is okay, but even in the midst of disagreeing with them, like treating them horribly is going to push them further away from Jesus which as a believer my utmost priority is not as much as I love Taylor County as much as I love the United States it, my utmost priority is wanting that person to not be in hell like I want them to be right. in heaven and and so much of it is how we choose to navigate like you talked about behavior and how we how we disagree yeah. and i think that's been the most Like, just I'll be raw. The most discouraging thing to me Mm -hmm. about this last season within the church, forget all the rest of politics, I don't care. Within the church, how believers have navigated disagreements politically with each other.
2: Well, I can tell you that that has been that issue right there. You know, when I ran and, and was elected, you know, I had a picture in my mind of what this was going to be like, right? We all do that when you start a new gig, right? Start yeah. a new job. And the thing that has caught me by surprise the most is the amount of disagreement I've had with fellow believers
1: mm. and
2: their conduct in some of these controversial issues, right? And what I've learned throughout the course of this last you know, year and a half or so is, you know, I can sit up there on the dice, and I can lecture, and I'm a researcher, right? So when I, I sit down with the – when I get the council agenda for the next meeting, you know, I sit down usually on the Saturday before the meeting, so four or five days before the meeting, and I read the whole thing. I read all the backup information. If there's ordinances that we're going to be enacting, I study the ordinances. You know, I view those things through the lens of enforcement. How is somebody going to actually enforce this? Is this going to work? Is this not going to work? All that. And so I, I do my best to approach the meeting from an informed mm-hmm. position, right? I think that's incumbent upon me as an elected official to understand the ramifications of the decisions that yeah. I'm making, right? And what I found is most of the time people that come to the meeting to voice opposition, which I, is absolutely their right to do so, I, I would not have it any other way, either have done flawed research or none. Yeah, They, they haven't researched it from a place of, you know, kind of separating themselves from the how they feel about the issue and really looking at the issue and the real-world implications of those things. Mm-hmm. And that has brought me into conflict with several, some believers that I've known for 20 years, long time, you know, that I never imagined we would be at that place. And what my takeaway from it has been is, you know, I, and I get... From a discouragement standpoint, you were talking about being discouraged. You know, there was a season in there, especially kind of during the height of the disagreements over the, the structure of the sanctuary city ordinance, and you know, I had my opinions about it. Other people had opinions about it. All that kind of stuff is the, you know that that's where a lot of that conflict came from early, and that started just within a couple of months of me getting elected, right? And so I would I didn't see that coming. Yeah, You, know, you
1: keep the, picking good times to take yeah. leadership, roles. <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. Um, but what I learned throughout that process for me is. I know that the people that uh and I'm just gonna kind of be hypothetical about the positions on the sanctuary city ordinance, but there are people that are for it, there are people that are against it, there are people that are for part of it that don't like some of it that, you know there there's kind of this myriad of opinions about it. God made them just like he made me, yep, and he loves them just as much as he loves me and if We can't profess as believers to believe God is in control, and I think sometimes that phrase gets hijacked. It means to some people that means, well, we're just kind of hands off and God's in control. I don't think that's the – there's no evidence to me in the Bible that God calls believers to a place of passivity, Yeah. right? Um, I think he equips us to to handle things in the seasons and places that he has us in, Uh, but we have to be listening for those things, and what gets – his voice can get drowned out by the yelling and the screaming and the the divisiveness and the anger. Whereas everybody would just take a take a deep breath and really listen for what he want he wants in these situations. I think we obviously would end up with a better product in the end. Yeah. We, you know,
1: and we would all be okay with each other. And we would all be okay with each end. other. You
2: know, right. and I still I don't think it's too late, frankly. I'm kind of an eternal optimist, but, you know, we really do live we say it all the time, Abilene's a special place. But I can tell you I've been in it, throughout my career in law enforcement i've seen the worst the city has to offer no question about it but i've also seen the best the city has to offer mm-hmm. and you know all of the natural disasters from 18 to 20 or i'm sorry from 98 to 18 i was that for most of them um you know we, we would have really catastrophic events happen i remember when i was the public information officer and we were uh, experiencing, we were going through a really difficult case where one of our own officers had been murdered. And we were basically going on to 24-hour shifts. We were just going to work until the case was over, which was not uncommon for, for cases like that. And a lot of the citizens in town were asking, what can we do to help? And, you know, and we, we basically said, look, we need, we need food and water. We're going to run long shifts, long periods of time. We need resources here at the station that we can pull on when we get hungry or thirsty or whatever. And it took about two hours before I had to go back on TV and, and ask everybody to stop. Please stop bringing things. <laughs> oh wow! Because we couldn't hold it all, mm. right? There was so much, so fast, and we've seen that time and time again. And, you know, the two major floods that happened during my career, Snowmageddon. You know, um, but it, but and again, it, I believe it, about the world, especially our country. Um, that that's really more the essence of who we are. That's just not who gets all the camera time and the yeah lifetime, yeah.
0: You know, it's less entertaining. You know,
2: I, I was in Houston uh, after Hurricane Harvey uh, for six days with a uh, answering the mutual aid request, and we took a team, uh, uh, six or seven of us went down there uh, for six or seven days, and so I kind of got to witness the Cajun Navy in action. You know, and it was a time where, you know, the the the, the the components of the government of the city of Houston were kind of in a state of paralysis. They were all flooded too, you know, and there were so many people that they just didn't wait mm-hmm. for the government to t- tell them to do anything. You know, we saw it in Florida just yeah. last week, you know, here comes Jim Bob with the airboat and he's pulling more people out of the, you know, out of these yeah, flood you're not waiting for the you know, Coast Guard, whoever's yeah, going yeah, picking yeah. people yeah. up. And I think that's more the essence of who we are. And we tend to pay attention to the divisive issues and pay less attention to the the issues that we all unify around. And uh, to me, that's my takeaway from all that time doing that kind of work. And even now, as an elected official and a church leader and all that, is there's so much good, you know, that God has placed in us. And there's so many people that want to operate in that, and they just need the opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we as a body can cultivate that by really encouraging people. You know, I talked about this at boot camp just last week. You know, if you want to see God move, position yourself to see him move.
0: That's good.
2: Serve somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll see it. You know, my wife and I have seen more miracles happen at the altar just being on the prayer team than I ever thought I'd ever see, you know. But if we weren't on the prayer team, I wouldn't see him. Mm-hmm. And so
1: that's that's mine. I love you said uh, you said earlier it was like when we remember that that person who disagrees with me is... is a. Child of God made, or is made in God's mm-hmm. image just like I am. And I love, I'm reading a book right now uh called, that David recommended actually, called The Political Seduction of the Church by Dr. Michael oh, Brown. I'm reading that book too. It's good. Yep. It's really so good. So far. And challenging. Uh But he talks about the perspective, and he encourages, like greatly encourages believers to be in the political realm. Absolutely. So he pushes, like, he unashamedly pushes that. But he says, we go, we enter into, as believers, we enter into the political realm from a different kingdom, essentially. We are, as believers, we are children, son and daughters of the one who created everything into existence. That's our primary mode of operation. And we enter into the political arena, which is so divisive and so ugly often, but so necessary. Mm -hmm. And we enter into it not I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna muddy my stuff. Like I'm not gonna sully the gospel with my behavior. I, my, my primary thing is I'm a son of God, and that person over there needs Jesus or knows Jesus, and right. that's the perspective that I am going to enter into the political sphere with. And I just I love that. That's kind of what you were saying is that when I keep in mind the big things. Like and and some of the political things are big things. I'm not even absolutely they're yeah. huge deals that we're dealing with as a country. The economy, immigration. I mean, these are big, big deals. But when we remember that that person across from me is a, is a either knows Jesus and is going to spend eternity with me in heaven, and I'm going to have to be held account for how I treat this person, or doesn't know Jesus, and I desperately want them to know Jesus, and they are made in His image just like I am. And when that can be our like shift that we can make. You go into those fights so different. Because I don't, I don't want to do any I my goodness, as much as I love politics and arguing, two things that I love a lot. Mm-hmm. I never ever want to do something that's going to push somebody away from Jesus. Right. And you look at social media over this last two and a half years of the everything from from the election to January 6th to COVID to vaccines to mass like all the shutdowns. And you just look at that. And so often I'm going, Man, you're a you follow Jesus. Yeah. Those people that you're yelling at, you want them in heaven with you, not the opposite. Yeah, I disagree with them. That's fine. You have whatever stance you want to have about, about vaccines and mass and shutdown. That's great, but we gotta remember the primary, most important stuff. And and I think that's that's where I think we've often gotten lost. So
2: Yeah, the One of the things I think that is happening is the church is starting to wake up. I think there was a long period of time where the church was asleep. And because the church as a body is starting to wake up and really pay attention to things that are contrary to the gospel and offensive to God and things that we should be standing up against, um, I think a lot of what we encounter in terms of the divisiveness within the body and, and I think this is, a, frankly, a scheme of the enemy, is to make us suspicious of one another, whereas if I approach or view this person, who, they, they may have a different solution or a different method to solving the problem, but they are just as bothered by whatever that offensive issue is as I am. Now, I, and I don't think, again, I, I'm an eternal optimist. I don't think it's too late. I think we, it is a good thing for the church to wake up. I mean, you know, I think there's two primary things we can point to, and this is just, you know, my own opinion about why we seem to have gotten so far from from God in our lives as a society is two things. One is the amount of comfort that we experience in, in our country, yeah. right? Uh, and then two is the churches went to sleep, and we, we, we you know, this, you know, the separation of church and state, there's, we can do a whole show on on that. Um which is, that's not what it says. No. Right? I mean, that's, that's not what it says. It it's not, not what the it words that are it there. just said, the Constitution just says there can't be an established religion, right? The state cannot establish an official religion, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that that doesn't mean that the church can't and should be involved in the political process. If we want to affect change, you know, believers make up the largest voting block in the United States, yep. right? Um, then we need to be... Paying attention to, and again, going back to that mile wide, foot deep. You're gonna, have, we as a body, I, I believe, have a responsibility to go a little bit deeper than that it's than we have. And you know, w- w- when you're faced with a choice, just you know, between two candidates, or say it's a primary, and you're faced with a choice of four or five candidates, what you know, whatever the scenario may be, take the time to figure out which one of these people is going to vote biblical values. Yeah, you know, because you know, there's there's people out there that'll say, oh. You shouldn't vote biblical values. It should, you know, it has nothing to do with politics. And I, and my answer, my response to that is simply: Which one of my bi- biblical values do you find to be offensive? Yeah. Is it honesty, integrity, mm-hmm. peace, patience, the fruits of the spirit? What What is it that you don't believe belongs in <laughs> which government? Which would you like less of? in government? Yeah. Which yeah. Which one of those would you like less of in government? You know, I mean, and, and of course, there's not really an answer to that. Sure. Because, you know, um, but I, I think it's our responsibility to you know realize that you know reading one social media article that's one reporter's assessment of a debate somewhere does not form an a accurate picture of who a candidate is you have to do a little bit of digging yeah. and in a time where in the old you know and again you know we, we can get into another discussion about you know how we tend to treat political figures as saviors but that's not new either Go back, you know. Mm-hmm. Have a, I have a subscription to newspapers.com and I read old newspapers again. I should probably shouldn't say that. All, all right, that, that took loud, it a but, step further than yeah. C-SPAN. <clears throat> and you know, go back and read some of the things that were said about FDR. Yeah, he was treated like he was the savior of the world. You know, that's that. So this, what's going on right now is not new. Mm-hmm. How we respond to it can be different than it has been in the past, and that's that's kind of the beauty of the grace of God is we we can do it. You know, we just
1: have to make our minds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that you said it's not it's not too late. It's not too late. Because it's not. And the answer for believers is not to remove ourselves from the political realm. Absolutely if, not. If anything, it is to dive in deeper. That's good. But do it in the way that honors everyone around yes, us and not, absolutely. not dishonoring in the midst of diving deeper. Because what I think there, there are large groups of the church who've dove deeper. Now, they might have dove deeper in just surrounded themselves with whatever thoughts they were already having. So it becomes this self-fulfilling snowball. And so right, you got to dive deep and make sure that you know what you're voting for. But then when people disagree, we want to love that person just the same. I want that person in heaven. Yeah. Yep.
0: Well, and I think about Jesus too, and he was very... Lots of people disagreed with him. Lots of people. You mentioned that earlier. He had a lot of conflict, but what he did is he walked in shalom. He walked in peace. And it is his kindness that leads us as believers in, into repentance. And I think it's just as true. It's it's our kindness that we extend to others that basically, you know, I, I can just, I see a picture of like people's guards coming down, you know what I mean? Of just so often in our culture, we quickly put our guards up and our fences up. But when people are kind, it's different. It's different when there's kindness. There's. It's different when there is love. And as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, we get to have that influence on this earth, and we, we get to choose whether that influence is kindness and love that we receive from the Father and from Jesus as Lord, or tension, dissension, mm-hmm. hate, well, all of think, those things.
2: I think people confuse, uh, when, when people hear words like kindness and love, you know they equate that to meekness mm. you know and you know the same jesus that walked in that love and walked in that peace also turned over all the tables in That's the temple right. courts right mm-hmm. the difference in that action and what we see so often today is when jesus did that in the temple courts he was there was a righteous anger going That's good. on right so glad you're going here <laughs> yeah and not just an an emotional reaction to something that happened that he didn't like or didn't agree with yes. right and and so and i use that as an as an example of don't confuse kindness with weakness right? or passivity or, or, or passivity like that, yeah. right it doesn't mean you can't be jesus was very fierce and uh I think we as believers have. A, and it, I'm not saying it's easy, but we have we have we have the ability and the calling to do both. That's good. And so we can stand for truth, and we can stand passionately for truth and unrelenting for truth, and still honor the people that we disagree with. That's good. You know, but in order to do that, you have to really have. I think self awareness is something that's getting lost. Right? People don't re- spend much time thinking about what they think about. Um, and what their sources of information are, you know, you mentioned uh, you know, people tend to gravitate toward sources of information that they agree with already, yeah, right. Uh, and that's true again. I mean, in, in any cable news outlet, you yeah. know, it has a political bias now, yeah. Um, and you mean there's no
1: unbiased media, Lynn? That's what you're telling me.
2: It doesn't seem that way anymore, does it? <laughs> um, But again, you know, you can even in that scenario, people talk about the media. Um, It's a very broad brush.
1: Yeah, that's painting. I mean, you know, a million media. Like our local
2: news outlets, for example, in all those years, I was the PIO for the police department. I I encountered just every single outlet we have and lots of new reporters. And I had great experiences with them. You know, some of them are still my friends, you know. Yeah. Um, But again we have to be cautious and we tend to do that, use those broad brushes and categorizations with large groups of people and professions, you know, and you know, it's difficult to categorize the media that way, you know, as a, you know, not a credible source. And I'm not saying there's not issues. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are definitely political biases in the media, but that's why you don't rely on that as your source. Yeah. You know, um, you know, our source is the Word, and who God says those people are, and what does God say about situations that we find ourselves in, and that's that's our calling to that's walk good. in.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and as we enter into, I mean, the next election, we're getting close to that. Yeah, this so. podcast
1: will drop November first, right, Tuesday, November first, and a week after that, A week before the election, a week after that is uh, is the election, and yeah and I will be there. I usually try do you are you this is like we've been real serious. Let me ask. You, are you an early voter guy or are you a day of voter guy? Um it, it just depends on what my schedule's.
2: Like I I tend to like to early vote just cuz you can get in and out quicker, but there's also something special See, about I election love day. Voting day of. Uh, you know, there's something special about <laughs> I vote election early. day. But, you know, I mean, I, like I I take off work the day after the election every year because I will sit and you know, I have I'll sit up two or three screens on my iPad and my phone, and I'll have every news outlet going. And, you know, I really enjoy watching the. You know the maps they click on and go county by county and all the election analysis and all that kind of stuff.
1: Sarah knows that election day that uh, we're going to have dinner and those polls are starting to close yep. seven thirty eight o'clock. It. And yep. you know what? Yep, I go. You to put my the home children office. to bed. Yeah. He's, gone.
2: Yep. he's gone. Yep. Yep. He's <laughs> gone. Give me that more yep. than Melinda does. The more same than thing. most she sports, just, she just goes to bed. you know, leaves me in my home office and I will sit there with my headphones on, switching between outlets and yep.
1: So it's fun. That's awesome. I love politics. <laughs> you both do, and I'm we so do.
0: thankful that we have people that love it, yep. that enjoy it, and that are influencing government. Who love Jesus? Like I'm very thankful. I am very. I've lived in Abilene my whole life. I am so thankful for our town. I'm so thankful for our leadership and leaders in this town. We are a blessed city. We are, and we take care of one another. We do. Um, but there's always room to grow yep. in, in the realm of loving others. There is. Like Jesus loves us. And so, Lan, I want to thank you so much for Appreciate your time me today. Inviting me. And if you could reiterate one thing that we chatted about today that would just really hit it home with our listeners, what one thing would you want to encourage them with today?
2: Only one? Oh, I have to limit uh, to one. If you want more, <laughs> um, you're yeah. an elder. You can <laughs> yeah, have she more. Can't, <laughs> she can't mute you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um you know, as we enter into – so by, by the time this airs, it will be a week before the election. So we will be in full-blown, you know, commercial campaign commercials and ads and all the things that happen in the days and weeks that lead up to an election. And so my encouragement to everyone during the season would be to remember that even the people you disagree with are image bearers. And we That's have good. a responsibility – and an obligation to the kingdom to treat those people as such. Disagree with them all you want. Vote. Don't vote for them. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying any of those things. Uh, but what we're really talking about here are in our internal heart issues. You know, that it's more about ourselves and how we look upon and speak of other Mm -hmm. people. Um, and so I would just encourage everybody to remember that. And I'm talking to myself too. I get pretty passionate about some of these issues. Uh, but we have to remember that, uh, God created them just like he
1: created me.
0: Mm, that's a good word. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank appreciate you Jeffrey. very much.
1: Yeah, love being here. Anytime I can talk to Lynn about politics is a win. So. We need our own
2: podcast. <laughs> and that we'll would be like, great. We'll like Buck Saxton and Clay Travis
1: and we'll do that. I yeah. am all for it. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah.
2: Yep. That'd be great. Get all seven people that would listen. To that's it. right. We, but yeah. we would have a ball. It would be awesome. We would. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> Wow. Wasn't that so good? I loved so much of what Lynn said. I think it's kind of hard to pick out one particular thing, but I think for me, I'll definitely be chewing on his statement about not confusing kindness with weakness or passivity, because it's possible to stand for truth and to do so passionately while still honoring others. And you don't need me to tell you that The media or social media tends to paint our society in all shades of hate, anger, and discord, especially in the election season. So it may seem like our society has just gone so far away from God, too far away from God. But y'all, it's not too late. Jesus has yet to return. There is more work to be done, and the church can and should be involved in our government. And it is. There are people out there who want to bring the kingdom to our government and to continue to do so. But we as the body, as the body of Christ, have a responsibility to go deeper. So here's your reminder. Do your research. Research the candidates and the policies and topics and go out and vote. It's not too late. Thanks so much for listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode because we have a new one each week. We hope you guys have a wonderful day. Be blessed and remember, God is moving. He is moving in our nation, in our cities and he's moving in your life too, Beyond Sundays.